You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven and here by your Spirit, speak to us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. Help us to receive your word. Speak to our hearts that we might follow in all that we think and do and say. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. So my name is Richard Haney, and I lead a mission agency called Frontier Fellowship. And I'm on the road a lot, but when I'm not on the road, Pam and I are here. We're part of the Chesterfield Parish, and um, it's a privilege to be with you today as a, a guest preacher and we'll be looking at our passage in a moment. Frontier Fellowship connects churches with partners far away who are taking the gospel to people who have never heard it before. We have a journal, and I have secretly hidden them all over the church. (laughs) And, you know, you might open the one that has a prize. So look for one on your way out. Uh, Not really. When... Tracy was welcoming you this morning and noting that people were on retreat. I almost heard you say, people are away (laughs) trick-or-treating. But you didn't say that, did you? No, no, no. People are away on retreat. Uh, However, I'm going to make a little liturgical calendar note in passing. Um, You know, tomorrow is Halloween, so All Hallows' Eve. And then the next day, November 1st, is All Saints' Day. That's how... Halloween gets its name. It's the eve before All Saints Day. And All Saints Day is recognized by many Protestant churches, a Roman Catholic church, a special holy day in the life of the church. But October 31st is also Reformation Day. So in the Protestant and Presbyterian tradition, October 31st, 1517, was the day that Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg, and it's considered the spark that lit the torch that burned into the Protestant Reformation. So in between (laughs) trick-or-treating, think about our legacy, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the Protestant reformers who came before us. And today is Reformation Sunday, and thank you, Jeff, for a mighty fortress is our God. So... So let's, uh, let's study Scripture together. Uh, I'm going to read from John 10, verses 11 to 16. Listen to God's Word. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. The hired hand runs away because he doesn't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now listen to this verse. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. So an eight-year-old girl in Orlando, Florida, 
woke up one morning very excited, and she burst into her mother's room and said, Mom, Mom, I just had the best dream ever. Really? What, what, what did you dream? Well, I dreamed that there was a knock on the door, and I opened the door, and it was Jesus, and he gave me the biggest hug ever, and I'm so happy. Wow, that's great. What did Jesus look like? Well, he looked like Jesus, of course. How else would I have known it was he? <laughs> he looked like Jesus, of course. So just for a minute, close your eyes, and how do you picture Jesus? In your imagination, in your mind's eye, when you hear Jesus, how do you picture him? Because Jesus isn't a concept, he's a person, and he lived in the first century. He was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, ministered in Galilee, died in Jerusalem, didn't travel very far, although he did go to Egypt for safety. Out of Egypt, I will call my son. And so how do we picture him? Lots of Christians throughout the ages have painted pictures of Jesus or painted impressions of Jesus. Think about all the Madonna and child paintings from the Baroque and Renaissance period. Think of those dark, shadowy pictures of Jesus by El Greco, the suffering Jesus. And I can tell you from my experience, Christians in Asia and Africa, they're painting pictures of Jesus too. And when they do, the facial features of Jesus and the cultural setting reflects who they are and where they live. Because we picture things in terms of what we know already. And maybe that's why the New Testament has this huge list of names and titles for Jesus. Just think in only the New Testament how many names there are for Jesus. Rabbi, Messiah, Son of Man, Son of God, Savior, Lord, Word, Alpha and Omega, Lion of the tribe of Judah, and so on. All those names and titles give missionaries and translators rich resources to translate Jesus into new languages and into new cultures. One of my favorites is the Good Shepherd. John has seven I am sayings throughout the gospel. I am the light of the world. I am the bread. I am the vine. I am the resurrection of the life. I am the Good Shepherd. And that's what we're looking at today, this great passage in John 10, where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hired hand won't do that. He doesn't care. He runs away. But I care for the sheep. I'll even lay down my life for the sheep. I know the sheep. They know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And then he says this verse, oh, by the way, he doesn't say, oh, by the way, but I like that, so I add it. Oh, by the way, there are other sheep that are not of this fold. And I, I, I need to get them also, and they will listen to my voice. Listening to the voice of Jesus seems to be really important in the Gospels, doesn't it? Recognizing his voice. Pam and I went to Scotland in 2015. We, uh, I had some unfinished work to do in England, and then we rented a car and we drove to Scotland. Driving in England and Scotland is an adventure all to itself, but we made it, and we went all the way up to the Isle of Skye in northwest Scotland, and it was a beautiful, desolate place. Mountains, jagged coastline, wind, 
and almost no people. But everywhere we looked, there were sheep. There were sheep everywhere, in the fields, on the hillside, on the roads. I remember we went up this hill on a gravel road, and at the top of the hill, there were sheep everywhere. And I thought, are we going to win, or are we going to turn around and go back the other way? And the sheep didn't seem to have any shepherd, no sheepdog, no corral, no pen. They just ran wild. But they had blotches of color on their hindquarters, blue, red, yellow, green, I guess to identify whose sheep is whose. Sheep farmers tell us that sheep are not the swiftest animals in the farm or the zoo. (laughs) Sheep are stubborn. They get lost easily. They get confused. They get distracted. They get caught in thickets. When they get caught in the thicket, they bleat forever and ever so the wolf can find them. You remember that line in Psalm 23? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep are afraid of running water. If they are thirsty, 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 and they come to a little stream and the stream is running water, they won't drink. So the shepherd has to get stones and make a little pool, and then they'll drink. But there's some good things about sheep. Sheep are able to distinguish a person's voice. They're able to identify a tune on a flute or a pipe. And so sheep are really good followers when they hear the voice or they hear the pipe. For whatever reasons, the good and the bad, the Bible characterizes our relationship with God as sheep and shepherd. Over and over and over again, just look at the Psalms. Look at the Old Testament where Abraham's a shepherd, Isaac's a shepherd, Jacob's a shepherd, Moses is a shepherd, and David, of course, is the shepherd par excellence who thinks the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack for anything. Then we turn to the New Testament. Luke 15, for this reason, the shepherd will leave 99 and go after the lost sheep. And then John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But I want to really look at verse 16. You know the context now. I had never really noticed this verse where Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I've I got to get them too. And about a year and a half ago, one of my board members challenged me and said, have you ever preached that verse? I said, I don't think so. He said, I have the date for you. And he gave me a date a year out to preach that text. And I did just a couple of weeks ago in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And it really shows Jesus's heart. Jesus was sent to Israel He didn't really go out into Gentile territory, but even then you can see his eye is on the rest of the world. His heart is for all kinds of sheep. Now, what does Jesus mean there are other sheep and he's got to bring them also? And how's he going to bring them? Is he going to use us? Is he going to use Bible translators? Is he going to use missionaries? He also said the, the Great Commission, you know, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew Go and make disciples of all nations. He also said, before he ascended, last week's passage, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, which was cross-cultural, and even to the ends of the earth. So Jesus put out the command to go make disciples of all nations. But right here we see his heart. I have other sheep. And they've got to listen to my voice as well. Today, 
we think these other sheep are the Gentiles. That's what the scholars say. You know, in the ancient world, there were two kinds of people from the Hebrew point of view. There was us, the Jews, and there was them, all the others, the Gentiles. And Gentile just means of another people or tribe. Today, sociologists and anthropologists, translators, linguists, we, we know a lot about all these other sheep, tribes, people. We know that in the world today, there are 230 nations, but they're modern nation states. In the ancient world, there were no nation states. There were tribes and peoples, and then occasionally there was an empire that conquered them and amassed a bunch of tribes and peoples. But it's only in the modern world that we have these nation states. But there have always been people groups, ethnic peoples. Even if you look in the Bible, the book of Acts chapter 2, you remember the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached that sermon? And Luke said, there was a great crowd, Elamites, Parthians, people from Phrygia, Libya. Even in the ancient world, people knew there were other tribes and peoples. Today, we think there are 15,000. All right, I'm just going to throw numbers at you for a minute, okay? And you can block them if you want. Eight billion people on earth, 230 nations, 15,000 people groups, 7,000 languages. Now, of the 15,000 people groups, we think that 6,000 are unreached. What's an unreached people group? It's a people group that are less than 2% Christian, 98% something else. So six of the five unreached, less than 2% Christian. Here's one more. Of the 6,000, 4,000 of the unreached people groups are less than one-tenth of 1% Christian. You hear hear that? 99.9% non-Christian. That's what... That's what we're dedicated to asking God, bring those other sheep as well. Give them a chance to hear about Jesus. Give them a Bible in their own language. Give them a church in their own culture. Frontier Fellowship works around the world with partners. We're small, but we have wonderful partners who are trying to reach the 99.9%. And God is moving in lots of parts of the world. Okay, one more statistic, two more. Of the 4,000, 99.9% non-Christian, 85% of them are Muslim or Hindu. 72% of them live in South Asia. South Asia is India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. So if you are to come to me today and say, I want to go or I want to help, I want, I want, where should I concentrate? I'd say you've got three choices, India, Pakistan, or Bangladesh. And if you said, what's really the neediest, neediest place? I'd say go to Bangladesh. And we're going to try to start new partnerships there. It's not an easy place to find Christian partners. That's just a little picture, a little glimpse of who are the other sheep. Now let's step back into John 10 again. The most intriguing thing about John 10 to me is this passage about other sheep. But the most important thing about John 10 is when Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. 
That's the most important part of this passage. Jesus, the good shepherd, is also Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now try to put those two pictures in your mind at the same time. Jesus is the good shepherd gathering people to himself to present to the Father. Jesus is the Lamb who gives up his life to die for the sheep, that the sheep might be reconciled to God and have peace. Good shepherd, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's the most important thing about this passage. What can we do? How, how shall we respond to this kind of information? You know, we're all still kind of coming out of COVID, right? I mean, I don't know that it's totally over, but we're coming out of COVID. And COVID taught us to be careful about contact, right? Social distancing. I'm not going to get too close. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said that Christianity is a good infection. He flipped it. He said, you've got to catch Christianity. You can't just be taught it. It has to sweep you up and get a hold of your heart. It's the good infection. Lewis says that in Mere Christianity. 87% of the world's Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists don't know a Christian. They, they, they've never met a Christian. So what, what do we need to do? We need to make contact with Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. Did you hear last week's sermon? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. We don't convert anybody. We bear witness. We point others to Jesus. We say, consider the good news. Consider that God loves you. We're witnesses. But you might say, well, how can I do anything with all those faraway peoples? Just give you three quick ideas. Number one, in your head, comprehend that there are other sheep that Jesus cares for. And they're in 6,000 people groups around the world. Just to know that. And, and you've been listening attentively, so you all know that now. It's in your head. And what's in your head can help you pray. Let me give you one example. Iran. You've been reading about Iran in the news, the protests, the women, the hijab. It's still going. But did you know that the church in Iran is the fastest growing church in the world today? And it's an oppressed church and it's a house church movement. So when you read about Iran and the protests, pray about Iran and the underground church. One of our partners trains people in Farsi in London on behalf of Iran. Pray for them. Secondly, what about your heart? You've heard it. Does this touch you? Do you think that all peoples on earth ought to have a chance to hear about Jesus? Should we have yet another Bible translation here, or should we maybe do a few Bible translations for people that don't have one? Does it touch your heart to care for people who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Last week, in this very room, we had a couple of Central Asian guests, partners with Frontier Fellowship, friends of my colleague, Donald Marsden, who's cultivated wonderful partners in Central Asia. And my Central Asian friends and Donald's friends tell us over and over again, we feel very alone in Central Asia. We don't know if anybody knows about us at all. We're a tiny church. We're in Muslim countries. 
were in countries that were fo former Soviet countries. So there's a KGB apparatus in all those Stans. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan. So it's a double whammy. There's a KGB looking over your shoulder, and there's a Muslim culture that is not very receptive to Christians. And those Central Asians have said to me repeatedly, when I know that you pray for me, when I know that you care about me, then I'm not alone. So is God touching your heart to help these brothers and sisters not be alone? And finally, your hands. Can you get involved? I've mentioned prayer. We love to take people on vision trips to see what God is doing in these parts of the world. Some of you could go. Some of you might say, you know, I'm not going to travel to Tajikistan right now. You could help somebody else go. You could encourage others to go and see what God is doing to come back and tell us. So I, I leave you with that opportunity, your head, your heart, your hands, the other sheep that Jesus cares for. One other thing about this passage. Um, so I said the intriguing thing is that Jesus says, I have other sheep. The most important thing, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And here's, here's the third thing. At the very end, after Jesus says, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now that, that's interesting, isn't it? There are different sheep pens. There are the red sheep and the yellow sheep and the blue and the green. They're not the same. They have different languages. They might see Jesus in a little different way, but ultimately they're all going to be Jesus-following sheep, sheep that belong to the good shepherd. There's a little challenge in there for us for the unity of the body. We live in a fractured society. We live in a fractured world. But Jesus says there's going to be one flock and one shepherd. And we need to pray for one another, love one another. The first executive director of Frontier Fellowship back in the... Well, he started this ministry in the 80s, but he was a missionary in Ethiopia in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s. And Harold Kurtz went to Ethiopia with his wife, Polly, and two or three really little kids, and they spent a, a year in Addis Ababa learning the language. Amharic is the, the trade language in Ethiopia. Ethiopia has 100 people groups and as many languages. But the main language is Amharic. So he, he studied it for a year. And then he went out to where he was going to minister, a place called Maji in southwest Ethiopia. I've been there once. It's 9,000 feet high. It takes your breath away <laughs> when you get out of the car. And in Maji were the DZ people, D-I-Z-I, DZ people. And so Harold was there for a couple of months. And one of the DZ tribal elders, sent him a message and say, we know that you believe in a God. We want to know what your God is like. Will you come and talk to the elders? And so Harold said, of course. And Harold didn't know Dizi, and they didn't know Amharic or English. So Harold spoke in Amharic as best he could after only one year of language learning. And a 14-year-old boy translated what he said to the elders. And Harold said, I'm sure he said something like, the great God created the heavens and the earth, and in the fullness of time, he sent his only son, who was born a baby and lived as a man and showed people what God was like. 
and helped people and healed people and preached the truth, and then he died that people might be able to be reconciled. I'm sure he told the story. I once spoke to untouchable Indian villagers, and I had to do the same thing. I was the first person that ever got to tell them about Jesus, and I was scared out of my pants. What am I going to say? I just told them what I knew. This is Jesus. And that's what Harold did, and they translated, and then the village elder, as is their custom, tried to summarize back what he had heard, and the boy translated to Harold. And then at the very end, the chief elder looked Harold in the eye, and he said, this is what we always hoped God would be like, the good shepherd, Savior, with the beautiful name and the powerful name. Friends, we want the rest of the world to have what we have, a relationship with God through Jesus, a Bible I can read, a church where I can worship. So let's pray and let's let our hearts be touched for what God is doing around the world to gather all the other sheep. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you for the resources you've given to us. Help us to share them with your world that is waiting, waiting to hear, waiting to know, waiting to worship, and waiting to follow the Good Shepherd. And We pray in his name. Amen.